You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln Audio Podcast. Over the past three months, I've been very thankful for our um, ability to continue to bring services through our um, online. Um, hopefully, you've been joining in. I've heard some people say, yeah, I've been watching like five different churches on Sunday. So <clears throat> what, that's the way to, way to grow. Um, my online teaching, as you saw, I rota- we rotated all the campus pastors into the teaching. And so uh, my online teaching experience became uh, a bit different than the teaching here because instead of being able to sit and see your smiling faces, most of the time smiling faces, um, <clears throat> I, I had to learn how to, to teach to a camera. And I got to tell you, it's really hard not having people in the room um, just to have that sense of growing together. But, but I learned and I learned how to, what is it? They follow the chase, the light here, and then you go to light here. You know, so it was, it was a, a completely different experience. And I, I think I learned some new skills along the way. One of the things that I greatly enjoyed about that teaching experience is particularly were the weeks where we were able to uh, enter into a teaching dialogue. Uh, if you were watching, you saw there were several times where I was able to enter in with Pastor Farrell, and we just sat at a table and we we talked. Uh, we talked through the word. We talked through the message. And um, I did that one weekend. I involved Cami in it. And what we found is one is there was a great response from our people. I mean, the feedback was great. Just uh, something about learning that way. So we learned that it was a great way to learn, a great way to teach. And so um, today. Um, as Nick and I are going to talk about community, I thought, what a great way to do it, but in community. So, but Nick, why don't you uh, t- talk to us a little bit? So what's the quarantine been like for you? And Yeah, well, I think we can all agree that the quarantine was a little bit longer than what we expected. Um, you know, the last time I was here, I realized during worship that my hair was a different length than Lisa's. And that's not the case anymore. So um, definitely went a little bit longer than we thought. But no, it, it's just great to be back with everyone, to be worshiping together and, and do something that really can't be replaced by anything else. When yeah, it's said good. So I'm glad you're here with me today. Glad, glad you're back. To be here. And, um, I'm a little jealous of your hair. Yeah, I, I, I can't do that. But I, do, I do have a quarantine beard, though. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. What you can't, uh, I can't do up here. Right. I can do down here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so... Very informal, very casual. So um, if you've been following online, you know that we've been in a series for a couple of weeks now called Essentials. And what we've been doing is looking to Acts chapter 2 um, and um, looking at the, as the church was birthed in its infant stages and looking at some of the spiritual essentials that we see at work in the, in the infant church and then taking it and applying how those, still, those spiritual essentials must be part of our life today if we want to have spiritual vitality, spiritual effectiveness, spiritual growth, spiritual transformation. So we've been transferring that from the early church in, into our lives. How does, how does it work out? And so as we began to look at in Acts, we early on and early in the, in the book of, uh, or in, cha- in chapter 2, uh, we, we saw the fulfillment of the promised Holy Spirit. And we uh, acknowledge that the Holy Spirit is uh, a spiritual essential. What we saw for the early church, and we see it for us today, is that the Holy Spirit, that empowerment of the Holy Spirit is necessary if we're going to effectively carry out the mission, the purpose that God has called us to. We can't do it without that infilling of the Holy Spirit. And then um, last weekend... Uh, as we moved on into the latter portion of Acts chapter 2, 
Pastor Farrell, I believe it was Pastor Farrell and, and uh, maybe Pastor Sam uh, were up. And they talked about uh, the, the essential of the word. And what you see uh, in the early church is you see that the word was essential to that first church. That they were committed to the word. They were committed to the apostles' teaching. They were a learning church. They were committed to their own spiritual growth and transformation. They understood the importance of the word. In fact, I'd like to read to you uh, the passage in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, just to give us that foundation again for what we're talking about. Beginning in verse 42, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. We see a snapshot here of the infant church and in it we see these these spiritual essentials. So what we want to talk about today, as I said earlier, is what we see in here is the spiritual essential of community. And when we really dig into the passage, what we find is when it talks about um, this community that they experienced in Acts chapter 2 in that infant church, uh, the word that's used is koinonia. And koinonia refers to um, a deep, meaningful, authentic kind of relationship that happens through the fellowship of the believers. And again, we see what that is. I just want to read a portion uh, again. It says, all the believers were together and had everything in common. So they were constantly together and they were sharing what they had. They functioned as one. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And so where there was a need, the church came together in this koinonia and they met it. They weren't just concerned about themselves, but they were concerned about the community of believers around them. And so they went to great sacrifice to um, make sure that their needs were met. Um, Every day they continued to meet together in the temple court. So they weren't just meeting together uh, Sunday, Sunday. Seven days later, Sunday, seven days later, Sunday. But there was a continual fellowship of the believers, of the church, where they were living together. They were doing life together. That's how they knew what the needs were of the people because they were constantly in conduct, in contact with the other believers. Um, they broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. And so there was a, it wasn't beyond just coming to a place and meeting, but they were actually sharing their homes together. They were eating and they were talking and they were discussing and they were, they were looking into one another's lives. Um, uh, it says praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people and the Lord <coughs> added to their number daily those who were being saved. So something was happening and it was something that was supernatural because I believe that koinonia is supernatural. It's not just relationship. 
But there's something deeper that it's meaningful and it's about living life together. In, in our context as the church, it's about letting the love of God work in us so that we live sacrificially so that we can be aware of the people around us and do life together. Again, remember, it wasn't just coming together one time a week, but they were living life together. They were living life in common. You know, Nick, I think it's kind of strange uh, I don't know if strange is the word, but it's, it, today we're talking about community, yet we're just coming out of, really still in, but we're in a period where when often our thoughts of community or this kind of koinonia that we see in Acts chapter 2 actually has some great limitations, at least physically right now. We talked to us a little bit about no, that. No, yeah, I think, I mean, realistically, when it comes to a season like this, if anything, we kind of realize how much we value that community that we have with people. When there is limitations, when there is that, that different way of going about our day-to-day -day life, you realize how much you really do miss and value the community that you have with other people. I know for me, um, during the last couple of months, I, I've spent a lot of time with my wife, Natalie, and you know, it was really great. It was, you know, Natalie, for me, is the closest relationship I'll ever have with someone. And we got to spend time together. And it was enriching and, and helpful and great for our marriage. But we spent a lot of time together. And, and you, is, is that a bad thing? Well, you know, we, we realized that maybe we have more community to share than just with one another. So we ended up getting a dog. You really got um, a dog. Got right? a dog. And even in the midst, of, you just realize that, yes, this is my wife. This is someone that I'm going to be closer to no matter what. And yet, there is still a missing aspect of we are still drawn to be in community with other believers. We're still drawn to be in community with others outside just our normal family unit. And there, there's an aspect of our faith that requires us to be a part of the bigger body. Right. So in the midst of those limitations, yet realizing you needed even a greater sense of true, authentic Koinonia. Yeah. You did some things to break through the barriers. What did you do? Sure. Well, the first thing we have to realize is that as much as it is special to be together in a room together, um, this isn't the only aspect of the relationship. There is something more. Um, so one of the things that we got to do, you know, a couple weeks into the quarantine, we realized, oh, we're not seeing people as much as we normally would. Um, we're missing dynamics. We're missing relationships with other people. And it just so happened that one of my good friends from Florida, um, you know, I was in his wedding. We, we go on a hiking trip every year. Someone who I actually haven't been able to talk to in a couple months uh, reached out to me and was like, hey, would you guys be willing to do an after dinner Zoom meeting? And we were like, oh, that would be amazing. And so we met, my, Natalie and I met with his wife uh, and him on Zoom after dinner. And it was just one of those moments that it was 30 minutes out of a couple weeks of feeling alone that was more enriching and more life-giving than, than anything we could have experienced in that moment. So even though we couldn't physically be around people that we were in close relationship with, we were still able to find ways to still keep that intimacy, that fellowship, that just checking in and seeing how you're doing and how things are going. And Cammie and I experienced some of the same things. I have to confess, in the beginning of this, as we had to talk about the Zoom as a way to do relationships, I was pretty, pretty resistant, to be honest. I tried to be low-key about it, but it's like, really? I mean, I'm going to watch you, and that's supposed to be relationship. But I want to tell you, here's what we found, because what we were looking for was meaningful relationships. Cammie and I engaged in some of the same kinds of things that, that Nick and Natalie did, and we had, we had a couple of uh, virtual dinners with people. 
where we sat in our kitchen and we had our dinner and they sat in their kitchen and they had dinner and the computers were up. And I have to tell you that we entered into some very meaningful conversation in about a 45-minute period. And then uh, on one other occasion, Cammie and I reconnected with some friends who we've known for 30-plus years. Uh, and um, uh, in the midst of a Zoom conversation, we went very deep, very quickly. And we began to talk about life, and we began to encourage one another. And even to a sense that there were prophetic times of speaking in each other's lives. And it all happened while we were on computer screens. So uh, the limitations should not be limitations uh, for, for, those, for those beers. Nick, earlier this week, as you and I were talking about this, this message, you, you made a statement. You said there's a difference in the interac interactions that we have with many and the community that we have with a few. Can you unpack that for us? Well, I think at the end of the day, we kind of realize that we interact with people all the time, whether it be just on social media, uh, going to the grocery store, normal wear and tear of the day, we are interacting with a lot of people. But when you're in a season like this or when you're coming out of a season like this, you realize that you can interact with people all day long and not be refreshed, not be renewed by it. But you could see a specific person or a specific friend uh, just once in a, in a season and feel more enriched by that interaction that might not even be in the same room. Might be a phone call, might be a letter, might be anything else, um, that you get more out of that interaction with that specific person than a bunch of small interactions with a bunch of different people. And I think what you realize is that just because you're coming in contact with people on a regular basis doesn't mean that you're actually sharing in community with them. And there is something deeper about what we do with people that we are willing to be vulnerable with, willing to be in community with, that impacts us and fills us more than just being at a face value relationship. Yeah, so uh, we weren't made just for interactions. We were made for relationships. We were created for relationship. And so there's this longing. There's, God's put it in us that there's this longing. There's this need within us to connect with other in this koinonia kind of relationship that we see. And if you were to say, well, what does meaningful relationship mean? What does koinonia mean? I would say it looks like what was happening in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, and then just move that into the modern day. What does it look like today? And um, I think we see great illustrations all around us. And so, Nick, we only have just, just really a few minutes left, but um, I, I think our heart is, having come through this time, coming out of this time, I know um, I have seen greater need in my life, a realization that I need to be involved in the day-to-day -day, um, doing life together with people. Um, I love what we do on Sundays, but I want more than, I want beyond that. I want, I want to be encouraged by people, and I want to encourage people, and I want to be built up. Um, I want to build people up. And I think that that's all of our hearts. But it takes time and it takes commitment. It takes um, some humility because we have to recognize we really do need to be with people. Um, it takes effort. Um, and we live in a world of hurry. But if we can move into that. And so I would say for us, as the Grace Covenant East Lincoln family, if coming out of this, if as a church... A campus, we can begin to move into a greater degree of this uh, koinonia that we see in the Bible, then we're going we're gonna to grow. We're going to grow exponentially as we begin to share lives together in a, in a different kind of way. So why don't we take the last few minutes and just talk about the value of this authentic 
re, uh, relationship, this koinonia. And, and I'll begin, and I'll just say, and I think I've hit on it, is that when we live in this kind of authentic fellowship, this koinonia, um, it allows us to give and receive love, and it allows us to add value to other people. People feel valued. And when I think about that, um, giving and receiving love, it's the kind of love that God has loved us with. It's being, uh, letting the love of Jesus, that Jesus told us that we're to love in the same way he does. And so I think koinonia involves that. When we think of how Jesus loved, it was sacrificial. It was a, it was a, a, a servant kind of love. And when we begin to live in that love, I think we find value in ourselves, but we also have the ability to place value in others. Sure. And I think the hard thing about the value is you, you don't even realize the value is there until you really need it or you're really right. looking for it. You know, when, when you read Acts 2 and you hear about they were selling their possessions, they were bringing it all together for the sake of helping each other. Well, back then, the big thing that was going on in a lot of areas was the poverty. Um, and when you translate that today, it's really about how can I be there for someone when they're at their lowest point? How can I be there for someone when they need it? And when we're in a community, when we're in fellowship, there's times that it's really good, but when we really see the value of that community is when people are willing to be there for us when we need it most, when, when we need someone to be speaking words of life to us, to be there as a helping hand, and just being willing to be the tangible, hey, I'm here for you no matter what, which I think is a lot more valuable today than we even realize. Mm -hmm. and, and I think, too, um, there's a real practical part of this koinonia, and it's being able to meet other people's needs. This Koinonia Fellowship allows us to engage with people in a way that we, we can meet their needs. I think we saw that greatly through the, the video that we watched about the, the um, Embrace Grace uh, and, and meeting the needs of those moms that had unplanned pregnancies. Um, I don't know if you, you've probably heard this, but so during this past three months of quarantine, um, there have been things you couldn't find at the grocery store like chicken. I mean, did you go to the grocery store any day? It's like, where's all the chicken? It was a short-lived period, but do you, uh, uh, Grace Covenant, if you haven't heard this, during the, the quarantine, we've given away 120,000 pounds of chicken. There, there was a need. It wasn't like, hey, there's got this chicken. What are we going to do with it? But there were people who were in need. And I think that's a picture of what was happening in the infant church as they were living together and they were meeting needs. And I think the list goes on. Uh, I know throughout there have been people calling, what do you need? How can I help? Let me drop the groceries off at your house. Um, and so there's just this meeting of practical needs. But you can't know what the needs are if you're not engaged in relationship with people. So those needs can be made known. Yeah, and I would just add, I think one other point is there's a big difference between just having relationship or hanging out with people, but also living and being in relationship with a purpose. You know, I can, I can get along with a lot of people about Florida football or just TV shows that we watch. There's a lot of commonalities that we can find with people, but to find a brother and sister in Jesus who I can talk to about how do I be the husband God created me to be? How, how do I be God's love in the work? Uh, feel that I'm meant to be. There's something about finding those people that not only that we get along with and help each other out, but doing it with the same heart and love of Christ and being a family in Jesus, um, I think is ultimately what it's all about. And it even speaks to that mission or being able to be the tangible needs that you're talking about too. Yeah. So um, I know as a church, uh, 
Grace Covenant as a whole, one of the things that we've done is we've been asking the question, what have we learned through this three months of quarantine? What are the discoveries that we have made that will cause us to move into the future in a different way, in a different life-giving way, more than we already had? And so I think we also have to ask that as individuals. What have we learned during this three months that will uh, somehow bring about a change in us and cause us to move into the future in a more healthy spiritual way? And I think one of the things that I hope we've all learned is we were made for relationship and we were made for meaningful relationships and we have a, a prescription for what those look like in Acts chapter 2. The same kinds of things that were happening in the early church can be uh, translated into the life of us, the believers today. And so my challenge, my encouragement is that as we go into the future, that we would be committed to experiencing this kind of fellowship in a deeper way uh, in our church, particularly in our campus in this Denver East Lincoln area, and that we would grow together. And again, that's going to take commitment. It's going to take time. It's going to take effort. I think it's going to mean that there are more life groups actually meeting in homes on a consistent basis where people are doing life together so that they can understand what's happening in other people's life. But that's the challenge. That's the encouragement. That's what we're hoping. That's what we're praying for for us as a church. Are you on board? Yeah, yeah good. Good, good. Well, let's stand. Our time is up. We actually went a little over in this service, but uh, I want to pray for you. And after I pray, you're going to go right out the back door. Uh, you don't have to go quite as quick because we don't have to disinfect this service. <laughs> Who'd have ever thought in church? <laughs> Sorry. Oh, God. Uh, again, we thank you for the ability to come together today and worship you in this building. And I thank you for every person here, Father God. Uh, we are the family of God. And Lord, I thank you that we are committed to this koinonia, this authentic relationship, fellowship that you teach us about in your word. And I pray that you would empower us all to live it out to a greater degree. Lord, I know life gets busy, but sometimes that's our own fault. Teach us to say no to the things that we need to say no to so that we can say yes to living life out in meaningful relationship with the body of believers. So, Father, today we commit ourselves to this and we ask that you help us. And, Father God, as everyone goes today, we just pray a blessing over them. Meet every need, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.